Thank you, Cheryl, and the worship team for the wonderful worship we were led in this morning. Thank you, everybody, for participating with us this morning in worship. We're going to have just one more um, little song, and I just want you to pay attention to the lyrics. It, it shouldn't be a new song. We've sang it here in the past, um, but it has been a little while. So give your attention to the screen, and we're going to talk about this song a little bit later.
Thank you for listening to that song. Please open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, 11 to 22. And before the kids are dismissed to Children's Church, let's stick around just for a few minutes here. Thank you. I just want to read the scripture with the kids today. I want to have a few comments about that song, and then the children will be dismissed to Children's Church. So calling an audible. Again, open to Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 11 to 22, as we continue in this book series, the book of Ephesians, a new you. God is building a new you. He's working on all of us as part of his church, and we're being reminded of the great blessings we have, but then also the responsibilities we have together as one church, as one race. Today, we're going to be talking about alienation, reconciliation, and a new race. And I just love that song I played, but in fact, I love all the songs we played, and I'm going to talk about it here in a moment. First, let's read. From Ephesians chapter 2, 11 to 22, and Dave, on the next slide, I do have the scripture if you want to follow along. Um, if not, please follow along in front of you too. Therefore, therefore, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11, therefore remember... That at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Verse 12, if you're just catching up. Remember that you were, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and has broken down in his flesh and dividing wall of hostility. Verse 15 of chapter 2 of Ephesians, By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer stranger than aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God." built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Thank you for following along. Today we are talking about alienation and reconciliation, or more specifically, a people group, Gentiles, going from alienation to reconciliation and to a new race. And the reason why I wanted the kids to stick around just for a minute was, one, I wanted them to hear the Word of God today before they go to their class, but also, I want them to hear the relation to this song. You see... We're talking about alienation, reconciliation. We're talking about a new race. We're talking about the Gentiles. And the Gentiles, kind of one of those big words that maybe, what does that mean? What does Gentiles mean? What does reconciliation mean? Gentiles means all those who are not Jewish. It's the simplest way to put it. And reconciliation, it means to restore a relationship. Well, this morning we sang some songs 
which relate greatly with this. We sang, he has made me glad. We sang, Jesus is coming again. We sang, what a day that will be. We, and we sang, you are my king. And then we listened to that song, The Way, New Horizon, a song I love. And it was a cover by Shades Mountain Baptist Church of the song titled The Way by Pat Barrett. Listen to the lyrics. Kids, you too, if you can, listen here. It says, and it's a new horizon and I'm set on you. And you meet me here today with mercies that are new. All my fears and doubts, they can all come too because they can't stay long when I'm here with you. It's a new horizon and I'm set on you. And you meet me here today with mercies that are new. I believe you are the way, the truth, the life. Initially, this song was brought to my attention by Jessica and just asked if we could play it this Sunday. And after she brought it to my attention, I said, wow, that's not only a great transitional song, but it's a great sermon illustration, a great, a great song to introduce our topic. Because to the Gentiles, to those who are not Jews, this was all new to them. The song's purpose may not have been initially to, to this specific scripture, but it helps illustrate the ideas. Kids, I want you to hear this too, that this song helps to show all of us that we have mercies that are new through Christ Jesus. We have life that is new. We need not fear, fear controlling us. And with that, I want to say the kids are dismissed to children's church because I know I can easily keep going on. The kids are dismissed to children's church. And as they're dismissed, let me say a little bit more about this song. In all the songs, really, you see everything that the Gentiles now were receiving was new. They never had these promises before. They never had this hope before. They never had the hope of a Messiah, of Jesus. These promises, this was a whole new way of life, just like that song speaks of. They were living with a new horizon set on Christ and his mercies, of which all were new to them. Fears, doubts, they would no longer control their living as now they would come to Christ. Not worthless idols, false gods, bad traditions, and hopeless living as before. Christ has come to them, Gentiles, those who did not have the promises, the covenants, the traditions, the ways to grasp onto, Christ had come to them. Christ had come to all of us. And Christ has come to us as well. And you wonder why we sing songs like, He has made me glad. Jesus is coming again. What a day that will be. The Way, New Horizon by Pat Barrett. These are all songs that they could not sing before, but now they could. And now we can as well. And they're told to treasure this greatly. In fact, they're told to remember their past life greatly. And there's a reason for it. You see, verse 11, and throughout the scripture we read today, talks about remembering. If we look back to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11, it says, Therefore, remember. And then in verse 12, it continues on. It says, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to God's covenant and promises. They are to remember just how far they have come. They are to remember their past life compared to the new life. They are to remember who they now have and the hope they now have, the promises they now have. 
and the community which they are now part of. And we too are to remember these things. You see, Paul here talks of the Gentiles' condition before Christ. And we could also talk of our condition before Christ. But in this scripture, we also see that there's a difference from their past compared to where they are now. And that's why he says, remember then. Remember back then. Can we, stay, can we say the same? We should be able to. We should be able to see there's a difference. We should be able to say, therefore, remember how we were alienated. We were isolated. We were separated from the grace of God. And we should be able to say that because we can see that now and that is no longer true. Now we have the grace of God in our life. We have his mercy. We have his love through Jesus. The Gentiles before Christ were alienated. Alienated. They were far off. They were isolated. They were excluded. Let's talk about that for just a moment here. How alienated were they? How far off were they? Well, it's twofold. One, it was social. And two, it was spiritual. I've got no slides for you today. I apologize for that. It's just the title slide. So if, you're, if you need notes later, you can email me and I'll give you a copy. But they were alienated, isolated, excluded in two ways, socially and spiritually. And let me give you some details because some of this was shocking to me as I studied it. I shared it with some others. They were shocked as well. Let, let me tell you just how isolated, alienated they were. The Jews... They believed the Gentiles were created by God for no other purpose than to fuel the fires of hell. Now, I don't know how widespread this belief was. Maybe it was just by the, the strict followers. Maybe it, was by, maybe it was more of a general understanding. But let me say that again. The Jews believed the Gentiles were created by God for no other purpose than to fuel the fires of hell. They believed that out of all the nations God had created, Israel was the one, the only one whom he loved. It was not even lawful for a Jew to render assistance or help with, um, with childbirth of a Gentile. And get this, the reason why would be because it would be helping to bring another Gentile into the world. The barrier or division between Gentile and Jew was said to be so strong and absolute that one could not even step into a Gentile's house without being considered unclean. Unclean. And then take that a step further. We talk about being unequally yoked and how we should not marry somebody or be in a relationship with somebody that is not a Christian, a follower of Christ. Well, let's take that a step further. If a Jew would wed a Gentile, they would do a funeral right then and there because it was considered as if they had died. Again, I don't know how widespread those beliefs were, but it's kind of shocking just to hear how socially distant, how socially alienated, how socially isolated and excluded they were from God's people. But then it was also spiritually. You see, the Gentiles were alienated not just from people, but from God himself, from the Messiah, from God's promise of a Savior. They were Christless. And by Christless, I mean they had no Messiah to look forward to. They were stateless, meaning they were not part of God's nation and people. They were friendless. They were Christless. They were stateless. They were friendless. And we talked a lot about that. And you can imagine they were hopeless because of this. They were godless. 
godless, with no covenants or promises or traditions to grasp onto. And this wasn't completely um, all of God's plan. Some of it was just because they did not want anything to do with God. They did not want to accept the truth. They suppressed the truth. The Gentiles chose to worship false gods. They worshiped idols. And they suppressed the truth and the righteous ways of God. How far are they from us? How different are they from us? A lot of us are the same way, or at least we're the same way before we come to know Christ. Even a, and even after we come to know Christ, there's so much of his truth that's in his word that we suppress because it doesn't sound nice. It doesn't sound good, but it doesn't change facts. That's truth. In fact, some of us hate talking about the blood of Christ. We took part in communion today. We'll remember that Jesus' body was laid upon that cross, hung upon that cross. His blood was spilt for us so that we might live, so we might have that sacrifice, so we might have that new covenant based not upon works, but upon his grace. But some churches and some people, they don't like to talk about his blood spilt because it just doesn't sound nice. They suppress the truth that the world needs to hear. We'll get more into that a little bit later here. But then came Christ the Messiah. Then came Jesus to the world and everything changed. You see, they went from alienation to reconciliation. Jesus would tear down the divisions, the barriers, the walls. And these Gentiles, these people separated from the Jews, separated from God, these once alienated people now were rejuvenated energized, but more than being rejuvenated, energized, they were made alive. They're reconciled to God. Reconciled. Again, that big word we described earlier, reconciled. They had a restored relationship with God the Father, the Lord, the creator of all the heavens and the earth and the universe, the one who created us from dust. The relationship was restored and they were made new. Not just the Jews, not just those who were near, but those who were afar were now made near. And this includes all of us today too. You see, all who trust in Christ alone for salvation, whether it be Jew or Gentile, Muslim, Islam, Catholic, Buddhist, atheist, agnostic, whoever it is, whoever you are, if you trust in Jesus as Lord, you will be saved. You will be brought close. And because of this, we all now can be one family, one community, his church. Verse 19, if you look down, says we are no longer strangers or aliens, but we are citizens. When Jesus came, there was a great collision between two worlds, a collision of the Gentile world and the Jewish world. There was both a vertical and a horizontal purpose in Christ's sacrifice as he vertically restored us with God, reconciled with God, but he horizontally restored the Gentiles and us with one another as well. There are no longer these divisions. There's one unity, one united group of people called the church. And the church is all those who trust in Jesus as Lord. Let me say that again. With Jesus Christ's sacrificial death upon the cross, there was both a vertical and horizontal purpose. They had been reconciled to God. Verse 13, if we read, remember these Gentiles had no hope. They had no 
connection with the one true God, no hope of a Messiah. They knew nothing of this until Jesus came. But now in verse 13, we have another one of those but now statements. It says, but now, verse 13 of chapter 2 of Ephesians, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. The once far off has been brought near. The once closed door has been opened wide. You see, God's redemptive work throughout history was to bless the world through Jesus. He had a plan. He had prophecies, and it would all come to be. And because of him, because of Jesus, we're no longer slave to religion. We're no longer slave to the bondage of sin. The chains have been broken. We have been set free. And we can now sing lyrics like that song. It's a new horizon. I'm set on you. You meet me here today with mercies that are new. All my fears and doubts, they can all come too. Because they can't stay long when I'm here with you. It's a new horizon. I'm set on you. And you meet me here today with mercies that are new. I believe you are the way, the truth, the life. Do you believe those words? Do you proclaim those words? Do you sing those words? When you're out in public, out with your friends, out with eating, do you remember these things? And do you sing words like he has made me glad? Or do you remember to proclaim that Jesus is coming again? What a day that will be. Do you ponder what that day will be like? Do you hold dear to your heart and your mind that Jesus is king of your life. Jesus is king. You see, we have been brought near to him, and we now have peace. The Gentiles now had peace, a peace that they never had before. And you know, the world today is also searching for peace. Many people are on a lifelong discovery of how do I find peace? And you know the true peace the gospel, the good news is the only true peace. And we need to proclaim that peace for them to find. They're never going to find it without Christ. Verse 14 says, for he himself is our peace. What a great scripture to memorize. In fact, let's say that together. I'm going to wake you up here. I want to just say, for he himself is our peace. Let's say that together. For he himself is our peace. But we need to remember who that he is. You see that he is not us. It's not me. It's not your father on earth. It's not your brother. It's not your cousin. It's not your nephew. It's not some stranger on the street holding a sign. He is Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is our peace. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14. For he himself is our peace. Jesus is our peace. And just as Paul encourages them and tells them, God tells Paul to write these words, inspires him. Therefore, remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth. We too need to remember where we were so that we can see where we are and we can allow our past to propel us into the future that God has for us. Use our present to glorify him 
and his people. Remember that we have been reconciled both vertically and horizontally. It's not our past that controls us. It's the present life with God. But we still need to remember our past so that we can see all the people that are right now being alienated, being isolated, being excluded from his grace, from his love, from his peace. And we can go to them, proclaim the peace of the gospel that they need to hear. You see, here's a big idea for you to write down if you're taking notes. God reconciles people to himself and each other through Jesus. God reconciles people to himself and others, each other, through Jesus. But there's a big application point here. You see, by walking in fellowship with God, we can walk in fellowship with other believers in spite of our differences. Let me say that again. By walking in fellowship with God, we can walk in fellowship with other believers in spite of our differences. So let's bring that into the real life for you here. Are there people in your life right now, thinking over your past, thinking over your present, thinking over the future, are there people in your life right now who you are excluding from your life because of differences? or because of struggles, because of past issues, because of past indifferences, or maybe other things which matter not in the present and future glory of God. Because we can be reconciled in those things too. God reconciles people to himself and each other through Jesus. And by walking in fellowship with God, we can walk in fellowship with other believers in spite of our differences. You see, we are part of a new race. We're united together as one body of believers, the church. And part of the church is being forgiving to others. As we're reminded in Matthew 6, 14, Christians are not to resist reconciliation and forgiveness of one another. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Or Ephesians 4.32, which also reminds us that Christians are to be a people who forgive one another, just as we have received forgiveness ourselves. We are a united race, a new race, a new people group. We are citizens, part of one body. Through Christ, both Gentile and Jew alike now have access by one spirit to God the Father as one group. Paul talks about those who are far and those who are near and how Jesus makes it possible for all those who are far and near to come to God. We have been brought together and he likens our unity with God with other believers to verse 15 to 16, a human body, each which has its part each needed, each necessary. A national citizenship, 12 and 19, verse 12 and 19. Every citizen has a place. Every citizen has a role. Every citizen is needed. And a house built on a strong foundation and cornerstone, verse 19 to 20. Every part has a purpose. Jesus is the cornerstone, but every person who trusts in him is a brick in his temple in the church. It was once said by Rachel Jones in an article in Desiring God. Some of you know that website of John Piper. If you don't, check it out, Desiring God. Great articles on there. It was an article titled, Citizens of Heaven. 
And she said this, because of the cross, Christians know where we are headed. And because of the cross, we're guaranteed citizenship. It is the country we belong in, the home and land we've been looking to all of our lives. This is what we together united as one new race as the church have to look forward to. But she uses a very vivid description here, another statement. Let me say this. The color of our passport. Some of you have passports. The color of our passport is blood red. And our eternal visa has already been irrevocably stamped in. That is such a hard word to say over a microphone. I'm just saying. The color of our passport is blood red, and our eternal visa has already been irrevocably stamped in. Well, if that didn't wake you up and give you a laugh, I don't know what will. You see, Jesus gives us peace with God, and therefore, we're also to show the peace to others. Whether it be showing forgiveness and love to one another, fellow believers, or whether it be showing the ultimate peace to non-believers, that they too can trust in Christ and find hope, find life. Just like the Gentiles who had never had this peace before, they now had their eyes opened to a new horizon, a new way. God wants to use each and every single one of us as the church to do these things. It was once said, though, that unity in Christ produced men and women who are friends, not because of themselves, but because of their friendship with God. It's in our differences that we reach all nations as God intends. It's through Jesus that we are brought together to do this. Sometimes we have differences, and that's okay. Because we're united together as one new race, it doesn't mean we're all the same. And in fact, this is what makes us so great. Is it's not in our sameness. It's in our unity with Christ. And then God uses our differences. God uses our strengths to help one another with our weaknesses so that he might be glorified in all things. Christians are not to resist reconciliation with God or with one another, for we are family. So profound is our reconciliation with God that now we're considered brothers and sisters in Christ. We have the same Father, the same Lord, the same Spirit among us, and we all have access to God through Jesus. The church is a family. Listen to this. The church is a family living on mission together for God. The church is a family living life together on mission for God. Or as one pastor said, I like this, because it might be something which you can point out to people. Be careful not to treat the church as a hotel. Be careful not to treat the church as a hotel. With occasional stays, paying your dues, and leaving. Maybe with leaving a tip behind. Because the church isn't just a place you go. The church isn't just an event you attend. The church is being part of a family living life together on mission for God. Let's consider before we leave that rule, that responsibility we have as a family. You see, in your families, your kids, your spouse, we all have responsibilities. We have rules to play. We have chores to do. We have things that we need to hold up our end of the bargain to. And being part of God's family is the same. We're getting into a lot of this in the second part of Ephesians, but let's just talk a little bit as we end today. 
Jesus prayed in John 17 that his followers would be perfected in unity and would love one another. So I ask you, how are we showing the love of Christ in how we love one another? Because we've been reconciled both vertically and horizontally. Are we showing the world both our vertical and horizontal restored relationships? Are we showing the love of Christ in this way? How are we remembering our past in a way which propels us to our futures with him? How are we glorifying him and his will in the today, not just in the future? It's, it's good. It's easy to say, well, tomorrow will be better. Tomorrow will be better. But what are you doing today to make sure that tomorrow does glorify God? Are we remembering our, our past in a way which causes us to also forgive others, to show people that peace? Remember that big idea. God reconciles people to himself and each other through Jesus. And then that application, that when we are walking in fellowship with God, we can walk in fellowship with other believers in spite of our differences. There's no room in the church for prejudice. There's no room in the church for thinking I'm better than him or her or to treat, treat anyone as, as inferior for any reason. It's just a display of our own selfish, sinful pride. God wants to use all of us. We all have weaknesses, but we all have strengths, and God pulls us all together to accomplish his will, to glorify him. So let us remember where we came from. Let us remember where you came from that we are all sinners in need of a savior, that we were dead in trespass and sin, separated from God. We were all alienated. But let us also remember what God the Father has done in us through Jesus Christ, that we are now alive together with him. His death on the cross has brought us together into a fellowship with God, a new race. Let us consider these truths, but one final truth to remember as we pray and sing a song and leave. Remember that peace that you know. Remember that the world around you is searching for peace. They're searching for hope. And God wants to use you to proclaim that peace that they're never find without hearing the good news of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how Ephesians continues to just give us such truth of the blessings we have as believers of those who have trusted in your son, Jesus is Lord. We thank you for we have been reconciled. We have a restored relationship with you. But we also thank you for the restored relationship we can have with one another. And Lord, we, we know that we are better together. We're stronger together. May we remember each other, forgive one another, love one another. And most importantly, may we love you more than anything else. And it's in your holy and powerful name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you. Please stand. Let's close in one final song.
What great words to leave on. May the footprints that we leave lead them to believe, and the lies we live inspire them to to obey. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. Great words to remember as we leave. Also remember there is a special baby shower going on after church today and throughout the summer. Feel free to join us at North Park under the pavilion, just casually, those who want to eat together in fellowship. Thank you for coming. <laughs>